0: Charles Woodson, Desmond Howard, Denard Robinson, Timonga Patuka, from Yost to Arbor, Passed down from generation to generation, Michigan football has stood the test of time. What's that feeling you get when you catch your first glimpse of the big house? When you hear, and take the field? When you see the team emerge from the tunnel, sprint across the field, and touch that famed m Blue banner. Saturdays in the fall, tailgates with friends and family, favorite players, favorite teams, and unforgettable moments. A lifetime of memories. College football in 2020 may be unique, but it has arrived at the corner of Stadium and Main, which is where you can find Michael Spath and Justin Rowe sharing their analysis. Their stories and their emotions about this year's Wolverine. This is the Stadium and Main Podcast, presented by Capnick Insurance Group, Wolverine State Brewing Company, and Lewis Jewelers.
1: Welcome to the Stadium and Main Podcast. I am Justin Rowe, joined by my co-host Michael Spath, and it is monday december twenty first I think it is officially the shortest day of the year, i believe, and mm-hmm. so uh I don't know about you, Mike, but I struggled to wake up a little bit today because it was still dark at about seven forty five uh and so it was <laughs> it, it it's uh I'm sitting here, it's eight ten, and the the sun well, it's not really sun, the grayness is starting to peak out now. Um, But I guess we made it. It's all, you know, uphill from here going on through the rest of the winter in terms of uh, more light out.
2: Well, our church actually has a service tonight and they call it the longest night, um, which is true. It's the longest night of the year, supposedly the shortest day. Um, but Justin, I know, you know, one step at a time, but you got to get yourself a child because if you get yourself a child, there's no problem waking up at, uh, the crack of dawn every single day, because that's just the way that it goes. Um, you go. but no, it's, it's, you're, you're right. I mean, uh, considering, you know, considering the fact that, um, you know, the vaccines, there's some hopes and optimism in our country right now because of it, uh, it kind of feels almost, um. Uh, uh, you know, um, what metaphorical or 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 whatever you know term you want to use that here we are on the longest night and that our everything ahead of us, as you said, are brighter days. Is that going to be the case for Jim Harbaugh from Michigan? Um, we'll talk about on this podcast. I guess we'll see. But you know, Justin, I did want to congratulate uh, Jim Harbaugh today. Some exclusive, exclusive company uh, after yesterday's bowl announcement that didn't include Michigan. You know, here we thought he was coming in to become the next Bo Schoenbechler or even Lloyd Carr and lead Michigan to Big Ten championships and victories over Ohio State. What we didn't know was that he was actually coming to become the next Rich Rod and Brady Hoke, who would have only three coaches in the last 50 years have had um, a losing season, uh, and only three coaches in the last 50 years have missed out on a bowl game. And those, uh, those honors belong to Brady Hoke. Rich Rodriguez. And now officially after yesterday, when Michigan was not included, Jim Harbaugh. So there's that. Congratulations to him.
1: Big congratulations to Jim. Um, Yeah, I think, I mean, how unfortunate is it for Michigan that in the last 50 years, it's been three coaches and those three coaches have coached at Michigan in the last, what, 15 years. Um, So it's uh it hasn't been a good uh, decade and a half for michigan football um, that's for sure but yeah i think you're you're right i mean little we maybe knew over the last couple of years that michigan wasn't you know on that elite level yet right and so um, it was like okay 9 and 3 10 and 3 maybe the ceiling but I don't think anybody expected a losing season or not being invited to a bowl game. And I'm not sure if Michigan was even trying to accept a bowl uh, at this point. I think they might've gotten ahead of that and said, we, we weren't going to play in one anyway, just to make it look better on their side. But um, yeah, I, I know it's a weird season. I know it's 2020, but nobody expected things to fall this far for Michigan football under Jim Harbaugh. And so now you know, we we can get into it at any point here, but now you have uh, rumors of talks with Jim Harbaugh and Ward Manuel and the athletic department uh, at the end of last week, and the uh, the word was that they had a very lengthy conversation on Friday uh, that lasted four or five hours with uh, Ward, Jim, and another representative from the university, from the athletic department, and so. When you're thinking or when you're hearing that it's a lengthy discussion like that, four or five hours, um, and it and it happens – or was it – I think it was Thursday right after uh, signing day. But it happens the day after signing day, after everything we talked about, after everything that they were saying – that we were saying of – they got to get this done before signing day or they should get in front of this for these kids and for everything else. Um, they do it the day after signing day. It's a very lengthy discussion, which makes me feel that they haven't had many conversations prior to that one because it wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, all right, let's figure out these final details to this contract and get it done. It seemed like there was a lot more to that conversation being had. So what's your take on, on that and uh, what happened last week?
2: Well, I would say that you know Ward Manuel and Jim Harbaugh, um, about two weeks ago said that they were going to negotiate. They were going to talk about contract after this season, and uh, pretty much all of us kind of scoffed at that and said, "You've got to be kidding me. Like that can't actually be the case. Like how have they not talked about it beforehand?" Uh, but based off of the length of the the meeting last week, um, and this, was, this came after. Uh, I believe they announced that the Michigan-Iowa game was going to be canceled. And so, in theory, it was the end of the season. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think, you know, I think in that case, I mean, they held true to their word. I I think we're still all incredulous that, um, you know, you find yourself in a position where a guy had one year left on a contract and a season coming up, and he was, I'm going to say a lame duck coach this year, but all the uncertainty, uh, and that they've allowed this to just kind of linger and sit in the air for as long as they have, but here we are. You know what? Can't really change the past. We are in the position we are in, and now it's just a matter of whether or not uh, the two sides decide that they ultimately want Jim Harbaugh to be here. And and Justin, a little bit of uh, this podcast today is is going to be you know a little bit of the rumor mill. because There's a lot of rumors out there, and I, I don't love rumors because. Um, I think you end up spending a considerable amount of time on something that just isn't true. Um, But if we look at this, if we look at this objectively, there's really, um, you know, there's really only three options. They re-sign him and he makes significant changes to his coaching staff as uh, both Ward Manuel believes he needs to, the rest of us believe he needs to, and Jim Harbaugh has even acknowledged uh, in some private circles that he needs to um, he does that, and that's option number one. Option number two is they fire him. Can't see that happening. We've said this from the get-go uh, that it just doesn't seem like Ward Manuel has the gumption, ha- wants to be the guy that fired Jim Harbaugh. Um, even if they, you know, come to a place where the contract stalls out, like instead of him just saying like, okay, you know, and we don't want to go into next season with a lame duck coach, he would do that. He would absolutely do that because he cannot be the guy who fires Jim Harbaugh. So that doesn't seem like a likely option at all. The third option is that Jim Harbaugh leaves on his own to take an NFL job. Um, You know, there's been, if you read some of the NFL websites, there's been a couple of places that have linked him. One to the San Diego Chargers, uh, which uh, was a place that he spent a little bit of his end of his career at. Uh, The other one linking him to the Detroit Lions job that's been available for a few weeks now after the firing of Matt Patricia. Um, and so would Jim Harbaugh take either one of those jobs uh, and leave Michigan on its own, allowing Michigan to then move on and go hire a Matt Campbell or, or whoever else they want to, they want to pen. So Justin, here we are on uh, December uh, 21st. Um, what scenario do you still, I mean, are you, a thinking is the most legitimate um, and B is the one that you want?
1: Well, I still think that, them keeping Harbaugh through signing day has to mean to me that they are going to figure out a way to extend him and have him be the coach in 2021 and probably for 22 and 23, I would imagine a three-year contract, simply because it would be really shitty to the signees that just signed a, a paper to say that they are committing their four or five years to Michigan just last week, and then for Michigan to turn around, uh, you know, a week or two weeks or even a month later and say, actually, Jim Harbaugh won't be your coach after you sign that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I believe that they will do that just because of the, the signing day situation. Um, but I still wonder at that, you know, with that being said, if that is the case, why not get it done right now. I know there's a lot of details and variables and everything else that need that go into a contract and go into the coaching situation. Um, but if they are gonna do that, you know, you and I said, why didn't they do it in March, April, May, June, July, August, you know, you, there were so many opportunities and then even during the season here, and now after the season, they still have opportunities and they're still putting it off to apparently beyond the new year. So I, I don't understand why still that, that it's being put off, but I do I do still believe that it will be Jim Harbaugh uh, coaching Michigan next year. Uh, I do believe that they will they will definitely make changes on the on the uh, rest of the coaching staff, including uh, Don Brown being let go and and a maybe entirely new defensive staff uh, other than a few uh, stragglers that hold on to their to their job. Um, but to be honest, what I in terms of what I would want, I watched the Big 12 Championship on Saturday and I know that Iowa State lost to Oklahoma for the second time giving them a 9 and 3 record, which I know is is it's like why why get rid of Jim Harbaugh for another guy that's going to go 9 and 3? But I just saw Matt Campbell on the sideline and it gave me uh, glimpses of 2015 Jim Harbaugh or San Francisco 49er Jim Harbaugh and he mm-hmm. was fiery. He, I felt like his team is all in with him. I I saw a lot of Matt Campbell there and I've watched a few of his games over, the, over this year. He just seems like the next guy who is has culture all over the place and he seems like he is kind of I I don't want to say he's the missing puzzle piece, but he's like he's everything that every Michigan fan wants right now in terms of having an identity, having a soul to this Michigan football program and team. And it seems like he would be that guy that would be able to get his uh, players to buy in uh, and really change things from a structural level. Uh, everything like that and so um, you know maybe the problems are bigger than than just that you know we've talked about the possibility of that but who knows but I just saw Matt Campbell on Saturday and I was like you know what I would love to have somebody come in with a new identity a new everything and kind of change the direction that Michigan football is going right now.
2: Well I'm 100% agreement with you that it's time to move on from Jim Harbaugh. I mean as if you listen to this podcast, and if you're brand new to it, welcome. Um, but I mean, it's been we've said it repeatedly. Will Heinegger has said it. Uh, you know, other guests that we've had on have said it. Um, you know, if you listened to my podcast last week, or you listened to us last week, um, you know, you, you heard me talking about you know some of my students for for the class I teach at Michigan had interviewed a number of former coaches, successful coaches, uh, both in college football and college basketball, who talked about You have three years to establish your program. You're four, like it needs to be rolling. If you're trying to reset in year five or in year six, completely lost the culture war and you really don't have a chance. Like that's when it's over and done with. And here we find ourselves going into uh, year seven off season and people are talking about culture and Jim Harbaugh needs to reestablish his culture, which means if he's trying to reestablish it right now, he never established it in the first place. And Michigan finds themselves, um, you know, in in, in the wilderness just kind of roaming around trying to uh, trying to do something. And, and Jim doesn't know how to do it. I mean, like that's what it comes down to is Jim doesn't know how to develop a quarterback in today's game. Uh, He doesn't know how to develop a winning team in today's game. He doesn't know how to beat Ohio state in today's game. Um, He doesn't know how to win a big 10 title in today's game. I mean, like in, in college football in 2020, Jim Harbaugh is not good enough. He doesn't know how to do it. Like that's, that really cannot be denied, you know? I mean, like, you want to say, like, well, okay, he's the 13th winningest coach. But every year it kind of changes, too. Have you noticed that, Justin? Like, a couple of years ago, people were like, well, you want to get rid of Jim Harbaugh. He's the uh, eighth winningest coach in, in college football in, 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 in since he's been here. And then, like, last year, he was the 10th winningest coach in college football since he's been here. Mm-hmm. And now he's the 13th winningest coach in college football since he's been here. And next year, he'll be, like, the 16th winningest coach um, and then the year after that, he'll be the 21st winningest coach uh, since, he, since he got here. I mean, do you see a pattern? It keeps on going backwards. And that's where this program is headed, headed backwards with Jim Harbaugh. Two and four. Look, I understand it wasn't a full season. I understand COVID. I understand that players opted out, all these different things. But every school in the country was up against these challenges. And, and Michigan is not unique in that way. And a, plenty of programs found a way to be successful uh, and beyond that, they didn't lose to, to, to terrible, te- you know, they didn't lose to a Michigan state, you know, I mean, like Michigan went out there and got punked by its rival in a, in a, in a year where Mel Tucker was in his first season, you know, had no, um, had no access to his team in the spring, uh, limited access to his team in the summer and in the fall camp. Um, you know, he started a quarterback against Michigan who is now in their transfer portal. And he went out there and blew Michigan's doors off in Rocky Lombardi. I mean, it's just, it's not working here. And so I want to move on from Jim Harbaugh, but I don't, I agree with you. I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's what Ward Manuel is thinking. I think ultimately uh, they try to find a way to get this job done. Um, you know, and, and if that's the case, then that's entirely different conversation. If you bring them back and we talked about it a little bit last week, I think in our, our Wednesday podcast, um, you know, what do you have to make? What kind of a change do you have to make? And one of the rumors this weekend Justin, I don't know how much you, you paid attention to it. Uh, Sam Webb ultimately came out and said he didn't think that was going to happen, um, but a lot of Michigan fans got excited about that, and that was Joe Moorhead, the former uh, Mississippi State head coach uh, who was a, a couple years coordinator with um, James Franklin at Penn State he had done amazing things with uh, Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley there. Uh, the rumor was that uh, Jim Harbaugh was going to hire him to replace Josh Gaddis, and you know, I would agree with most of of the masses who are reading that going like, wow, that's a, that's a home run move. Like that's a, that's a guy who is in a desperate situation like Jim Harbaugh. That's a guy who gets it. That's a guy who's going to make a massive change. So to hear someone like Sam Webb, who's as connected as anybody say, no, just a rumor, uh, they're not moving on from Gattis. Um, to me, that's disappointing.
1: Yeah, I think that, um, I'm not ready to just say Josh Gaddis is a dud after two years. I think it's, it's tough, especially in the year 2020 uh, with, uh, you know, everything that went on and some injuries and things like that in um, a tough, uh, tough offensive line. And, you know, there, there were a ton of variables, so I'm not ready to just say Josh Gaddis is, is, you know, a dud, but I do think that there needs to be somebody else uh, come in and help him along. I don't think he's as experienced as we need uh, our offensive coordinator to be right now. Uh, and so I was, I was pumped about Joe Moorhead. I was thinking that is probably the one move that can make this offense, turn it into, you know, a decent offense into a really good offense in just one year. Uh, I think that his mind and the way he's done things at Oregon and Penn State have been, uh, you know, have helped them a lot, especially with what you said in Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley. Um, and I, I thought I would actually would love to see Ed Warner get some more responsibilities in the, in the uh, play calling or in the run game as well. So I thought the, the three, maybe people there, I didn't know if Josh Gaddis was still going to be in the mix there, or if Joe Moorhead's coming in completely uh, maybe Josh Gaddis goes to the wide receivers, who knows how it, the rumor was supposed to uh, pan out there, but I was very, very excited about that. Just because I think that, uh, Josh Gaddis is in over his head. I think I've said this before. It's he—he's not, uh, you know, feeling like he has total control over everything that goes on right now. I think he felt like he was overwhelmed at times in terms of the play calling and what was going on. So, yeah, that was definitely something I was excited about. And then the other—I mean, this was this is a rumor as well, but it hasn't been shut down. I'd say this rumor has more merit to it. Um, then the Moorhead thing is Derek Mason coming in as a D coordinator position. So what are your thoughts on Mm -hmm. that?
2: Well, I certainly, I mean, if there's going to be a change to the staff, it's going to be along the defense. I mean, you know, we, we looked last weekend, whether or not you just keep Mike Zordich and you wipe everybody else out, Brian Shane, John Mary from the linebackers, uh, obviously Don Brown is coordinator, uh, Sean Nua, um, you know, Don Brown's wife. Uh, has been on social media a couple times and has posted, you know, be careful what you wish for seemingly uh, intimating that her husband is going to be let go and, and telling Michigan fans, like, you don't know how good you have it right now, which, you know, whatever. I mean, just defending her, her family, that's, that's totally fine. Uh, But (laughs) you look at the numbers this year, you look at the numbers, how they've trended uh, towards the end of last season um, you look at the numbers against Ohio State, against Wisconsin, against Penn State, and uh, what are we really, what are we really bragging about here? You know, like, oh, cool, he's awesome at kicking the crap out of Rutgers and Maryland and and Northwestern, and uh, he's and done also, a pretty decent job against, yeah.
1: Also, my my thing on Don Brown is, is you look at the guys in the NFL right now. Uh, Michigan alums on the defensive side of the ball Mm -hmm. and they are absolute studs. He came in and had Mo Hurst and, you know, I'm looking at Chase Winovich and Josh Uche both starting for uh, the Patriots. Jabril Peppers, like, you know, there are plenty, there was so much talent on his defenses Mm -hmm. that I I think you could have thrown anybody back there and made it work. And he still didn't make it work in the time zone when Michigan really needed it to.
2: Yeah. I mean, even someone like, I mean, Devin Bush was a superstar before he got hurt and missed uh, most of the season with an injury, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and you look at like even Rashawn Gary is coming on a little bit in his second year. I think he's got five sacks, which, um, you know, I know they have a higher, he has a higher ceiling than that. And they're hoping he gets to double digits someday. Um, but there's some, yeah, a lot of his players are are, are pretty good in the NFL. Um, we're certainly drafted really high. And and for whatever reason, you know, they just um, against Ohio State in the bowl games. And then the last two years against Wisconsin, against um, against Indiana, against, I mean, you know, they really, really struggled. And so Don Brown is out. There's no doubt about that. Um, and, yeah, the Derek Mason rumors, uh, pretty good coordinator. Um, has been uh, really well thought of, or thought of uh, in the SEC. And, um, you know, I, I don't know enough about his history. I don't know enough about uh, – I mean, I'm, I've never paid attention to to his team's games before. Uh, and so I'd have to spend a little more time doing a deep dive, but a lot of Michigan fans are excited about that possibility. If you told me, like, A, I don't want Jim Harbaugh back, but if he's coming back and he gets rid of both coordinators um, and he brings in two hired guns – uh, both with established, proven backgrounds that can recruit. And one of them is Joe Moorhead. I'm not going in next year going like, oh, this is awesome. I'm so excited. But I'm at least more optimistic than I am right now. Right now, my optimism is like a zero for the future of Michigan football. And I need to see what changes they make. And, and, and a lot of it just comes back to Jim. And, and I just don't have any confidence and faith that Jim is going to be the guy. Um, but if you make those two decisions, you go bring in those two guys, uh, you're certainly going to instill a little bit more confidence that uh, that Jim is is understands. He's looked in the mirror. He understands what Michigan football is. Understands what Michigan needs, and he's willing to make those hard decisions because Don Brown is his buddy. Don Brown is his guy. And Josh Gaddis, you know, two years ago when when he decided like, hey, we need to open this up and change our offense and become uh, much more, you know, the whole not speed and space, but a spread offense. This is the guy that he pegged. Like this is the guy that he looked at and said this is the future of Michigan football. I mean, he was a young guy. He's in his late thirties, you know, like he, this is Jim Harbaugh essentially scouting the entire cultural landscape and going like, I'm going to bet on this young man to be a superstar. And right now he's been a complete dud. And so, you know, that's on Jim Harbaugh too. And so, yeah, if he's willing to get rid of his two guys for two hired guns, I'd feel a lot better about things.
1: Now, let me ask you this because It would be in that case, it would be obviously two brand new guys, a brand new offense, a brand new defense coming in. And we talked a little bit about this last week about, you know, is it a do or die season for Jim Harbaugh or how much time now are you giving him? Are you giving him some leeway or not Um, with some, you know, I don't want to say rebuild, but something to that effect. Um, When you're bringing in brand new coordinators like that on both sides of the ball, what is realistic in terms of turning things around uh, just from a coordinator perspective? When you bring in a new brand new, I don't know, you know, what the schemes are that Derek Mason and let's just say Joe Moorhead would be bringing in. Um, but how long does it take to institute that type of thing into the, the playbook, the um, getting guys up to speed, getting everybody playing the, the right positions at the right times and things like that? Can it be done right away and can positive changes be made? Or is it going to take half a year, a year? Maybe we're looking at year two under Derek Mason where, uh, where it's actually clicking on all cylinders.
2: Well, I, I think defensively, I mean, it's been proven time and again. Like, guys can overhaul come in. I mean, Greg Madison came in, in 2011. Uh, Michigan, you know, they went from a three-three-five to a back to a traditional base four-three, and they had a great defense in 2011. Why? Because they had uh, they had great they had really good playmakers, um, and they were motivated. Uh, they they had some experience, uh, which certainly helped them. You know, defensive line normally with our our friend Will Heinegger who we usually talk to on Sundays, and. Ryan Van Bergen and, and Mike Martin um and that gave them a head up a heads up so like I think defensively you've got Aiden Hutchinson coming back next year uh you have Chris Hinton coming back next year um you have Josh Ross and who knows with Cam McGrone but you have a lot of guys you know Dax Hill if he does come back um you know you have a lot of guys coming back with experience like I think they can turn the defense around right away and honestly I think you can turn an offense around right away too this isn't you know, we, we sort of um, changed in the last 10 years as it evolved where you you have coaches and they come in and their offensive coordinators, people say, well, it really takes a couple of years to get acclimated and the whole thing. Like offensive coordinators are just like head coaches where they've gotten super smart. They figured out like how to streamline their process, um, streamline their, their offense and and make things simpler. And then it just comes down to whether you have the right quarterback to um, to, to play it. I mean, Josh Gaddis came in in 2018, and they had a better offense in 2018 than they did in 2019 when he had a senior quarterback and he was in year two, um, right? So, um, I'm sorry, that was he came in in 2019 and 2020, so that actually does not apply. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I look at it, and I don't know. I, I think I think a guy can make a a quick change. Um, in today's world because it really just comes down to experience and it comes down to playmakers. And if Michigan has a playmaker at the quarterback position, uh, whether that's Cade McNamara or Dan Villardi or J.J. McCarthy, um, I think a coordinator can come in and just flip a switch uh, very, very quickly.
1: Well, I think the one thing that people forget because you watch the 2020 season and Michigan looked depleted on both sides of the ball, really, especially on the defense, right? when Michigan was playing, uh, some backups, some third strings and things like that, but don't get it twisted. This team, this roster is still very talented, right? You know, there are still a lot of great recruits and, uh, four and five star guys that are on this team. So it's not like they're, they have, you know, a terrible team to work with if, uh, for a coordinator, if they came in. Uh, you know, especially with what we're looking at in the 2020 uh, recruiting class. And then if, if what you're looking at in the uh, transfer portal as well. Um, So, and and that leads me to another question in terms of timing for the Jim Harbaugh and Ward manual contract negotiations. Don't you want to get it done sooner than later? So Michigan can go dive deep into the transfer portal and Mm -hmm. fill in some holes that they need to, to fill in right now uh, as well as figure it out so that they can go look at more, you know, whether it's Derek Mason or somebody else uh, and land some coaches and sign them. Cause I don't think you're going to sign any other coordinators or position coaches if the the head coach isn't signed. Um, So in terms of the, of that, I think that Michigan, which I think desperately needs to look at the transfer portal, especially on the defensive line uh, and the defensive backs, uh, probably at the corner position, uh, maybe on the offensive line as well. Uh, don't doesn't that conversation need to be happening now uh, and probably yesterday uh, in order for in order for them to go and take care of some of those things?
2: I mean, I guess, but you know, when I when I look at it. Um, even though Michigan's not playing in a bowl game. Oh my goodness. Vanderbilt went 0-8 this year for Derek Mason. Oof, boy, that's pretty brutal. Uh, anyway, uh, um, you know, yes and no. Um, obviously, like they just proved with a recruiting class that they could sign a top-notch recruiting class with all this uncertainty. Uh, and as long as Jim Harbaugh believes he's going to be the coach, I mean, he can go out there and and get get grad transfers or just transfers overall. I do think it's different when it comes to coaching, because if you're Derek Mason and and Jim Harbaugh has no contract in place, why would you come um, on a one-year rental? Mm -hmm. Or even, why would you even sign and leave? I mean, as bad as Vanderbilt is, why would you sign a contract with Jim Harbaugh not knowing if he's going to be your coach um, or if he's going to be the coach in the future? So, I do agree with you there. And he's probably the one guy, especially now that their season's over with, where he's going to be a hot commodity. Um, and there's going to be a lot of people who you know, come uh, try to get him. Uh, and so, um, you know, yeah, you'd rather do that sooner rather than later. And if, even if they fire Don Brown this week, which doesn't sound like they're going to do because it's Christmas and uh, Michigan's not going to make any decisions until after the first the year. Um, but say you, get, you fire Don Brown on January 2nd. Uh, and then you want to hire Derek Mason and you say, Hey, Derek, uh, we'd like you to be, come be our defensive coordinator. And he says, well, what's your contract status? Well, I intend to be the coacher. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, I'm not a recruit. I'm not an 18 year old young man who buys that load of, you know, baloney, like, Mm -hmm. um, what's your contract status? Like show me the paperwork that says that you've got a deal beyond 2021. And he says, "I, I don't have that yet. Well, when are you going to sign it? I'm not really sure yet. We haven't really had those conversations. I'm Derek Mason. And I'm looking at that situation and there's another school, Texas or USC or Oregon or any other big time school that says, we'd like you to become our defensive coordinator, our school. And, oh, Mario Cristobal just signed a five-year extension. Oh, you know, um, uh, what's the guy's name in, at USC? I can't think of his, the head coach's name. Um, you know, he gets, he gets a contract extension. Like, any of those other places are going to be have a lot more appealing to a guy like Derek Mason in Michigan, where it's all up in the air. So I do agree with you when it comes to new coaches, I think when it comes to players, they're going to be okay going out there and, and getting after some of those guys and, um, and, and, you know, the whole transfer portal and everything that's going to happen. I, I think what's really curious to me, Justin, about this offseason now that Michigan's officially done and not playing in a bowl game is who else do they lose? Uh, you know, if you're a high-end player at Michigan, if you're Dax Hill, if you're Cam McGrown, if you're Chris Hinton, um, if you're, you know, any of those players, um, you're even, you know, maybe not Jamon Green or Vincent Gray, but if you're one of those guys, like, how do you not say, look, Jim might be here next year, but he's going to probably be gone pretty soon. The fan base is up in the arms. Like I need to put myself in position to play in the NFL. If I'm Cameron Grunin and I'm Dax Hill, I have got to put myself in a position next year to showcase, ball out, and be one of the best safeties and be the best linebackers in college football so that I go in the first round. And if you go look at their seasons that they just had, you know, Cameron Grunin got hurt pretty early, and Dax Hill played the whole time. Neither one of them had a very good year. You know, neither one of them looked like a dominant player in the future. And so, you know, I would immediately – if I was those guys, be considering transferring, especially if this transfer portal thing, um, which you know, the NCAA was just about to approve or maybe has already approved, you get a free, free one-year pass. You get to take off. You get to play immediately. So if you're those guys, why would you stay at Michigan? I think that's going to be a real indicator, honestly, of the future of this program and whether or not guys believe in Jim Harbaugh is if the best players all flee at uh, the first opportunity to do so.
1: Yeah, and Harbaugh has been an advocate of that rule, right? He, I think, he was one of the ones that said, "Yes, we should do that uh, and give the the kids the opportunity." So he's been uh, advocating for that. So we'll see if that pays off for him, or maybe it doesn't. Now, and maybe it, it kind of uh, hits him in the butt here and uh, and doesn't. But I I agree with you. I think last Friday, I believe I was watching the transfer portal and it would seem like there were a thousand announcements of transfers across the country especially michigan state lost three of their top 2018 recruits i believe michigan state seemed like it they had five six seven guys go into the transfer portal and i was expecting the same For Michigan, I was expecting a lot of guys, especially in the running backs room. I was, you know, Zach Charbonnet, I I figured would uh, possibly, like you said, Dax Hill is probably looking at uh, Alabama where he was supposed to go or uh, rumored to go. Um, You know, he's probably thinking, wow, I probably would be doing very well at, at Alabama right now as Najee Harris, we saw is on Saturday. He had a ridiculous game on Saturday after he was once committed to Michigan. I think he had 240 yards uh, or something like that for Alabama in the SEC title game. But um, maybe they're looking at, they're looking around the, the, uh, the locker room and saying, you know what guys, 2020 was a tough year, um, but we've got a good base because I'm looking at this, uh, the two deep, you know, from Michigan in 2020. And on the offensive side of the ball, you'll have Ronnie Bell back, Giles Jackson back, Mike Sainter still, Ryan Hayes is probably back. Carson Barnhart, uh, Trevor Keegan, uh, Zach Carpenter is not, but then you'll have Zach Sinter. Stuber's probably back. Um, Eric Hall. Uh, you have both, you know, quarterbacks back. I don't know. We'll see about Joe Milton, but I believe you have Cade McNamara back and, of course, J.J. McCarthy. Um, but then in the running back room, you have Blake Corum, Hassan Haskins, and Charbonnet. Uh, that could come back and then you bring in Donovan Edwards and then on the defensive side of the ball, you have, uh, you know, Donovan Jeter, you have Taylor Upshaw, Mike Barrett, Ben Van Sumeren, Cam McGrone, uh You have Josh Ross, who still has eligibility, Jamon Green, uh, Dax Hill, Vincent Gray, you know, as well as Andre Seldon's coming in, uh, Mozzie Smith, Chris Hinton, Luigi Villain. So they're, they were very, very young in 2020. So maybe these guys are, that are looking at, you know, should I transfer out or will we figure it out and get it together in 2021 and beyond. Um, But I think that they may be looking at this and saying, we have a really good young core. And although 2020 didn't look good, we were super young and inexperienced and we were playing guys that didn't, uh, weren't ready for the field in 2021. That'll be different a lot of these guys that were sophomores will now be juniors. They'll be in their third year. Uh, A lot of the juniors will be seniors and they'll be in their fourth year. So maybe they're looking at this and they're saying, all right, I still think that we have the talent to be able to compete for a big 10 title in 2021.
2: Well, I don't think you're, you're wrong. Um, I would certainly, I mean, you make a lot of really good points and yeah, Michigan will go from an inexperienced team, especially, uh, along, you know, in the secondary and along the offensive line, like they were in uh, 2020 and all of a sudden they become a very experienced team. Ultimately, Justin, and you know, this, and, uh, this is what it all comes down to is, do these guys believe in their coaches? Mm -hmm. Do they believe in Jim Harbaugh? Do they believe in Don Brown? If they don't, uh, believe in at least, uh, one of those two guys, then they're gone. If they believe in Jim Harbaugh but not in Don Brown, then they're going to wait it out and see who they bring as a defensive coordinator. If they believe in Don Brown but not Jim Harbaugh, um, they might take off too. I really think that um, this offseason is going to be an indicator of what the state of this program is. If Jim Harbaugh comes back, if they sign him to an extension, you watch which players stay or go. Because if it's as bad, if the culture's as bad as all the rumors, all the talk that we hear, then, then guys like Dax Hill and Cam McGrone, um, and a lot of younger players, too, are going to bolt because they don't want to be a part of this anymore. Um, if, it's, if it's better than we think, if it's uh, something that's been a little bit too, um, you know, uh, overblown, then these guys will stick around because they believe that 2021 is is a special season for them with, uh, you know, with a full off season, with what should be a fairly normal spring practice. Maybe not, um, depending on, you know, when the vaccines get um, doled out to younger players and coaches and the whole thing. Uh, But at least it's a better opportunity than it was a year ago. So we're going to see, we're going to see it's going to unfold over the next couple of weeks. Uh, And certainly there'll be a lot uh, more to talk about, um, when it comes to comes to Michigan football but I do want to transition a little bit Justin talk about go ahead
1: I was just gonna sorry go ahead I was gonna ask you about the uh, college football playoff I thought you were ending it there so go yeah ahead. let's let's talk about
2: that let's talk about that let's talk about uh, this Michigan basketball team uh, before they play on uh, Friday on Christmas Day God, how stupid is that how stupid <laughs> is the big Ten scheduling for Michigan basketball my brother was complaining to me over the weekend you know here, here we are as Michigan fans. It's really the only thing we have going is Michigan basketball. And they play last Sunday. They beat Penn State. Then they have, like, a, 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 essentially two weeks off, 12 days off. They play on Christmas night, I think it's 6 or 6.30. Like, come on. Like, Christmas night, like 6 o'clock. Like, first of all, why do the players have to be subjected to that? Right. Um, I know they're not supposed to get to go with friends and family. But, come on, give me a break. It's Christmas. And then – and who's watching the game? on christmas night at 6 p.m like wh- what type of idiotic scheduling is that and then the second part is then they, then they also play on new year's eve like two terrible times to play anyway we'll watch because we're supposed to <coughs> actually i probably won't because christmas is not only christmas it's also my son's first birthday so i will not be watching the game i'll have to dvr it and watch it the next day and we can talk about it on saturday or sunday but um so justin before we get there shout out to our uh, great sponsors um, Wolverine state brewing company closed on Mondays, but Tuesday uh, through Sunday, um, you can pick up uh, outstanding. Um, I was in Ann Arbor late last week and I picked up the nacho kit and you know, Oh, so good, man. I mean, you get, you get everything and they don't skimp mm-hmm. on the ingredients. It's not like you get home and you're like looking at it and you put the chips down and then you put all the stuff on top of it and you're like trying to like spread it out because you want to make sure every chip gets no like you're it's overwhelming amount yeah. of of ingredients that they give you um including you can either get the pulled pork or chicken um or you can have it vegetarian really really good john loved it over the weekend uh he had his little first bit of nachos now we didn't put it over chips we put it over zucchini chips we i'm sure where those parents
1: i'm sure he kept that very clean and tidy right oh uh, yeah man i mean i spend a, i spend
2: probably i was telling my wife this yesterday two-thirds of my free time i think is cleaning up after he's done with stuff <laughs> um and so it's constantly wiping the floors wiping down his chair his high chair his little plate that he uses it keeps me busy um but our good friends at wolverine state brewing company uh maybe this week you don't want to you know you don't want to cook uh, uh leading up to christmas and so you can pick up some some great food from them, uh, wolverinebeer.com. Our friends at Weber's Hotel, uh, I've taken advantage of this a couple of times now. Their weekday rate, um, you, can be, you, can, you can book a room and, and stay there from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. and kind of like uh, get away from home a little bit. If you are working from home, uh, you know, you can just lounge there. You've got a nice bed. You can uh, take a rain shower, um, you know, ask for a room that is uh, on the pool side. You can like look out at the beautiful atrium even get a swim in the pool um, going. And if you stick around till 4 p.m., that is when the kitchen opens back up and you can uh, have some happy hour drinks uh, delivered right to your door um, through room service from uh, 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Just check out by 7 p.m. because if you don't, then you get charged for that night. Now, the the night rates are about $99 for weekdays right now, so there's still great deals on uh, that, too. So shout out to Wolverine Beer and Weber's um hotel and restaurant here in Ann Arbor. By
1: the way, so, one one quick thing there on Weber's. We are we're checking out uh Weber's later today because you know, we got engaged there, but we are going, going to check them out for a wedding venue as well. So um checking that out, we'll see. I, I, I liked it so much, we're gonna maybe have the big day there as well.
2: Well, that's where we got married. And hey, oh I we didn't had, know that. Yeah. And we had an amazing experience. We got married at the uh, first congregational church right downtown on state street and William, right across from campus, a uh, beautiful church, uh, old stone makes you feel like you're in medieval times. And then we had both our rehearsal dinner at Weber's and our reception at Weber's. And I mean, they knocked it out of the park, man. I mean, it was, it, it was so cool. We had all the, all the guests that stayed, um, you know, stayed on the, the pool side. So um you know we were down in that ballroom that is that is right off the pool and so when you look up like you'd see people uh all along you know all in their rooms like out on their balconies and like we have some amazing photos of of us kind of in the middle of that and then the people uh the people um you know up on their balconies so really cool really great food is food is just as you can imagine um top notch the desserts everything uh highly highly recommended and they just they treat you first class too so um, can you tell I'm a fan? I'm a, I'm a big fan of, uh, of Levers.
1: I'm becoming one quickly, so you got me hooked as well.
2: Yeah, that's great. So, Justin, no surprises. Yesterday, College football playoff gets announced. Uh, it is uh, number one, Alabama, number two, Clemson, number three, Ohio State, and number four, Notre Dame. So what I don't like about it is essentially that Clemson-Notre Dame game was played on Saturday, not for anything on the line really, but essentially for seeding. Um, Cause I get the sense that even if Clemson would have lost, if it would have been a tight one, I feel like they still would have gone. Texas A&M finishes fifth, gets pushed out Cincinnati. Um, you know, a group of five doesn't get an opportunity uh, to, to play in the playoff, which, you know, I don't think they're ever going to get an opportunity. We can talk about it in a minute. Uh, you know, Iowa state lost. So they, they were no longer a factor. Um, but I guess, what's your satisfaction level with uh, with the final four? Do you think these are the four best teams and who are the four teams that should be playing for the national championship?
1: I think they are. I do think they got it right, but it's just – it still kind of doesn't feel – doesn't make me feel good about the whole process and everything like that, especially after, like you said, Clemson and Notre Dame just played. Um, so, if I was a Texas A&M fan, I'd be pissed because – uh, you know, I understandably, what was the point of the, the ACC championship game then? Um, but it to me, honestly, Mike, it's like, let's just have Clemson and Alabama play already and get it over with. You know, they're obviously the two best teams. I think that Alabama is going to absolutely roll Notre Dame. I think Clemson will probably roll Ohio State um, because Ohio State hasn't, they didn't look great on Saturday. Um, for some reason, Justin Fields has looked human, uh, and he did not look great on Saturday. He didn't look great against Indiana and those were their two really only tough games of the year. So, um, as much as I think there really wasn't a better option for the final four, it's like, whatever, you know, I, I think that they, uh, the, the, three and four teams really don't have a, a great shot. Maybe Ohio state proves me wrong. Um, I think Notre Dame doesn't have a shot against Alabama. I I think they're that good, but, um, I'm, I'm looking at the, the, uh, the final, you know, the five, six, seven, eight. And it's like, you said it before, what is the point of a group of five, even trying to get in at this point, the, the committee has proved time and time again, that you can have a flawless season out there as a group of five team, and you still have zero shot. So yes they should make their own playoff their own national championship mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it uh and and go with it because there's they will have absolutely no shot if you're a group of 5 team and so i think that in terms of uh you know i think uh Reese Davis came out and said it, uh, on a Reddit AMA ask me anything actually. Um, but he said the parody of Michigan football, it's so top heavy. So how do you change that? How do you make sure that it's not continually the same teams in the final four each and every year? Because I believe Mm -hmm. out of the, uh, there have been 11, uh, um, something there has been 23, what was it 23 college football playoff spots and they have been taken up by 11 teams. So there mm-hmm. hasn't been any new teams really coming in and out. You maybe the fourth spot is usually a rotation of a new team every year. Um, but so I, I think they got it right, but it's still just frustrating to me the, the whole process of it and you know, whether it needs to be expanded, but then there's going to be an argument for sixth and seventh and eighth and ninth and all that stuff too. It's just, it's an ongoing uh, argument.
2: Well, to me, it's, it's either expand it um, to eight and allow uh, the group of five um, to have a, a seat at the table, or I'm shocked at this point that the group of five uh, has not gotten together and said, let's just have our own college football playoffs. Let's, mm-hmm. just, let's just talk to some bulls. Um, there's got to be some places ESPN would, would televise it or Fox would televise or something like that. Let's just put together our own Final Four um, and play, you know, three games and we'll crown a group of five national champion. And people can scoff at that and be like, give me a break. Like, are you part of the group? Are you not? But they're not part of the group. They're never going to be part of the group. Okay. Since they were undefeated this year and finished what sixth? Um, and really, I mean, if they were never going to finish fourth, they were never going to finish fifth, even like they were just going to keep on getting pushed out further and further and further. Um, and they were never going to get an opportunity. And so, you know, why not do what, uh, what Scott Frost did at central Florida a couple years ago, when they went undefeated, uh, they won their bowl game and he said, we're national champions. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the way that you skip decided. If you're an undefeated team, uh, in college football, you're essentially a national champion, um, back in the day. And, and it was done by, with voting and the whole thing. But, but I mean, like do that, like, you know, if this is about a money thing, um, you know, go, if you form your own group of five, I'll tell you what, it's, Watch, like, we watched the FCS uh, national championship. Don't we watch division two? We watch division three. Uh, it certainly has helped uh, here in the state of Michigan. that Grand Valley State has been in the division three national championship game a lot in the last, uh, you know, 15 years. Um, but we watch all those. And if you take Cincinnati and you take coastal Carolina and you take BYU and you take, you know, maybe it's Tulsa or Louisiana, whoever it is, and you do a final four, you do it as a prelude. Uh, to the to the to the power five national championship and they um you know you watch 2 semifinal games and you watch a national championship i mean espn is going to pay for that the you know some some level of bulls are going to pay for that and mm-hmm. at the very least like you're giving yourself something right you're giving yourself something because cincinnati right now they're going down i think they're playing georgia in a bowl game and, and they could beat georgia but when they beat georgia they don't even get respect because what is ultimately people say oh well georgia was playing cincinnati and they weren't motivated for the game and so Uh, that, that, you know, sure it's a big win over a power five team, a top 10 team, but they weren't really as invested, um, as, as you know, you were. And so their, their effort wasn't there. I mean, so you beat these teams and they immediately diminish what you accomplished. So I don't know why I really don't understand why the group of five has not gotten smarter and come together. And people said, well, if you do that, maybe they'll, maybe the power five will just leave them in the past and say like, Hey, go schedule somebody else for your paydays and non-conference. Do you honestly think that the the group, that the Power Five, Alabamas and Michigans and Ohio State's in the world are going to say to the group of five, like, oh, we don't want to schedule you? So what are they going to schedule instead? They're either going to schedule all FCS opponents, so three FCS opponents every year, or they're going to schedule more um, Power Five opponents. That ain't going to happen either.
1: Yeah. I, I don't, there's no point to it. You know, it, it just create your own division. You know, they have the division one, a right. The, that league or that uh, division of it, the subdivision type of thing. So create the, the, the uh, playoff or the expanded um, championship or separate championship, whatever you want to call it for them. It, Cause mm-hmm. like you said, you're never going to get at it. Coastal Carolina is never going to uh, be, have a chance at that in BYU or, you know, you could go down on and on and on for that list of the over the years. Uh, Boise State who, you know, beat Oklahoma in whatever year that was in unbelievable fashion and probably could have competed for a national championship that year. So I 100% agree. Uh, I think it's just uh, the the whole thing with the college football playoff is um, a lot of people are saying like, at this point, between Clemson and Alabama, the BCS would have sufficed this year, right? They probably would yeah. have got it, gotten it right. And, um, you know, as much as I love having an expanded playoff, and I'd love to see it even farther, further expanded, um, in this year right now, because of the level that Alabama and Clemson are on, it would have been – okay for them to just have the bcs uh say clemson and alabama are playing for a national title and then you know rose bowl sugar bowl whatever goes on and on for the next the four three and four teams, five and six and that would have been okay so um i think i don't know how you do it i don't know what the answer is i don't know if there is an answer um but college football just needs to get to a spot where the three and four five and six you know really there's a top one, two, three, maybe four teams. And then five through 15 are on an entirely different level. That's for sure. And mm-hmm. then 15 through 50 are on a next level. So it's like, I, I think you just need to figure out some way. And I, again, I don't know how to do it, that it's more uh, level throughout the, the one through 25 uh, in the top 25 that comes out every week.
2: Well, I just, I just think, we where we are in college football and it's like they keep on making you know little changes and and certainly this this one-year transfer you can you can transfer and there's no penalty uh is a big deal um but a name image and likeness is a big deal but justin i mean doesn't it feel like every year all they keep on doing is putting like band-aids on open wounds and they're like okay we'll just we'll just you know if you've ever driven down in michigan if you're listening to this podcast in Michigan, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. And so our roads are some of the worst roads in the country. And you've got, they oversalt them in the winter. Um, you've got the trucks that come by and scrape them up. You've got all the people that are on them. They're overused. And so what do you see happen a lot? Instead of like tearing up the roads, you'll, you'll go out in the spring and early summer and you'll see those trucks, those tar trucks mm. that are just putting like the black tar down and they're like matting it down. And so what you end up getting is you don't get a smooth road. You get like these these nonstop bumps, and it's just if you're if you're out there biking, especially when you're biking, you come across it all the time. And I bike quite a bit in the summer, and I mean it's like it's no smooth roll. You're just boom, 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 boom the whole time because all this is stop gaps, and that's what college football and college athletics right now are stop gaps. And so, for the love of God, what they need to do is they just need to blow the whole thing up. They almost need to have like Vatican Council Number Two just convene all the athletic directors in division one. And I think there's 120 of them in college football. There's more in other sports, but, you know, or, or take, take three ADs from each of the conferences, from each of the group of five, the power five, and put them in one room, maybe early in the summer when they've all been vaccinated and blow the whole thing up and say, let's do something that makes sense okay let's either expand the playoffs or let's understand that that Michigan and Western Michigan don't operate on the same plane and so they should not be in the same division of football you know they shouldn't be Michigan shouldn't be playing uh, or have the same opportunity to win a national championship as Western Michigan and Eastern Michigan because that doesn't exist i would do it i mean and we can spend an entire podcast on this but i would do it based off of revenue whatever and, and that might mean that programs in the big 10, probably not because they're getting that $50 million paycheck from the big 10. But that might mean that some, some schools in conferences already get pushed to the side. Mm -hmm. But if you're Vanderbilt, if you're Vanderbilt and you're in the sec and you're like, well, we're in the sec, we're getting our $30 million worth that. But you really have no chance ever in the history of your program to compete with an Alabama, with a Georgia, with a Florida. So what are you really after? Like, I don't, to me, that's what I don't understand is, is, is if you really if you're a competitor and you have no chance, you have absolutely no chance unless you unless you um, hurdle 150 obstacles and every time even if you get past the 150th, they put 150 151st up in front of your face. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you really trying to achieve, Justin? That's where I'm at as a as a practical realist when I look at uh, college athletics.
1: Yeah, I think you look at some of these teams, even if we're looking specifically at the Big Ten. Um, you know, Northwestern has a, definitely a different type of budget, uh, than a lot of, uh, other, other schools, even in the big 10, when you're looking at Michigan and Ohio state, they're, they're a smaller school, they're higher academically, everything like that. So you could have, there's an argument that them losing to Ohio state in the big 10 championship game is probably their ceiling, you know? And there are a handful of teams, actually a lot of teams in, in the big 10 right now that their ceiling is lower than that. When you look at Illinois and you look at even Indiana is, is Indiana losing by one score to Ohio state earlier in the year, probably their ceiling for a program. Um, and so Michigan, obviously their ceiling should be, uh, winning a national title, but right now their ceiling isn't even there. Um, you know, but, uh, I think definitely you're on the right track with that, where some of these lower schools, not lower, but some of these smaller schools or lesser revenue schools, um, they, they really struggle because they aren't just, uh, they are not on the same level playing field. And so, um, yeah, their ceilings are not as high as in Ohio State, as a Clemson, as, as in Alabama, um, things like that. So, yeah, I, I completely agree with you uh, in terms of how, how it needs to be changed and, and we need to look at it differently than it has been for the past 50 years.
2: Well, it just, it just can't keep going like this. And, you know, do I think in any world coastal Carolina could beat Alabama? No, I don't. So do they deserve to be the number four team in, uh, in the playoff? No, they don't, but Notre Dame doesn't have any chance to beat Alabama. Um, and, and maybe Ohio state doesn't have a chance to beat Alabama. I guess we'll see if they can get past Clemson. Uh but no, I would just say, look, we're getting towards the end of the season. Would I want to see more football? Would I like to see eight teams play and and maybe there's an upset along the way? Absolutely. I I just I just think if we're talking about fairness and what the NCAA is trying to do is be a fair um you know institution. If we're talking about fairness, then you're really we're not because you're you're delivering a blow to uh to, to certain institutions before they even get an opportunity. And so Something has got to give, and I'd like to see it give, um, you know, any – I'd like to see it give here um, sooner rather than later. And uh, maybe this whole name, image, and likeness, and then, again, the, the one-time transfer portal really, really changes things. We'll, we'll see how that unfolds um, in the, uh, the next little bit here. But, uh, Justin, um, going to wrap it up here. We'll talk basketball a little bit later on in the week. We'll, we'll look at some of the things we're hearing about Jim Harbaugh. I expect it to be a quiet week. It's Christmas week. Yeah. You know, Jim Harbaugh and his family are in California. Um the rumor mill should quiet down. Um just try to enjoy the week the, you know, with your with your family. It's John's birthday on Friday, so we're super excited about that. Um I didn't and know he was uh a just going to kind of He's a Christmas baby, man. It uh yeah, it's um it was um, you know, a story over beers, we'll say that. So, <laughs> uh unex, unexpected about a week early, but uh truly Truly a, a Christmas gift to, to Amy and me, and we can't wait. And So we're kind of celebrating his uh, Christmas week uh, starting off here. We actually have a couple of friends who, uh, they had a child, one person had a birthday two days before him, and then one person had a birthday the day after him. Um, so we've got a lot of people to celebrate this week, and, and we're looking forward uh, to doing that. Thanks also to our sponsors, Capnick Insurance Group, uh, where uh, I work. Um, great organization you know, never, uh, never a bad time to take a look at uh, your current policies. Um, You know, I'm always surprised, or I would say one of the things I've learned uh, just doing this for three months is how rarely people really know what's in their insurance policy, especially their personal insurance policy, their home, their auto, uh, their umbrella policy that protects them. Um, You know, very few people, I just, I just sold, sold some insurance on Friday to a couple and Uh, we went through it line item by line item. And they're like, well, we have insurance for that. We have insurance for that. And I'm like, yes. Um, And it was stuff that they, they just didn't know that they had and they didn't understand uh, scenarios. Uh, You know, Ann Arbor, especially with uh, the Huron river and stuff like that. And a lot of peaks and valleys, a lot of Hills can get, can get to a lot of flooding. Uh, can Get some water back up in your, in your, in your basement. And so we made sure that they had some of that just in case. Just in case that's what this is always about, it's just being um, in case. And so thanks to our friends at Catholic Insurance Group uh, who sponsor this podcast, Frank and Luth Insurance, Lewis Jewellers, um, where Justin Rowe and Jacqueline Crummy get engaged, uh, <laughs> and uh, Wolverine State Brewing Company and Weber's Hotel. If you'd like to be a advertiser or sponsor of ours going into uh, the new year, you can uh, reach out to Justin or myself. You can reach out to me um, at uh, michaelspath Spath 1980 at uh, gmail.com um justin what's your email address
1: justin.roh1 the number one at gmail.com
2: perfect perfect you can follow us on twitter justinroh92 Michael Speth. I P H or stadium main pod we'll have this up a little bit later uh we'll have two more we're gonna try to squeeze two more in but we might be we might have to wait till saturday we might have to do like wednesday and saturday because I don't think either one – I don't think anybody's going to be listening to a podcast of us on Christmas Day, right. uh, Justin. Um, so, we'll wait till Michigan plays the basketball game. So, we'll do one midweek, and then we'll do one uh, after the game on uh, Saturday.
1: Perfect. Sounds good. Yeah. I can't wait to watch basketball again. It's been too long. And there, when you go without basketball for a couple of weeks here, and then without Michigan football, it gets, uh, the rumor mill gets a little hectic on Michigan Twitter and everything. Everybody's looking for something to talk about. So can't wait for that later this week. I hope you all, uh, have a good, uh, week here leading up to the holidays and we'll see you in a couple of days.
0: This is the stadium and main podcast. Presented by Kapnick Insurance Group, Wolverine State Brewing Company, and Lewis Jewelers.